Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Kreil. Today I'm joined for this special episode by a figure who'll be familiar to Don's fans, members of the Red Army, Ali Begg, broadcaster, writer, many other things in what's been a storied life up to this point. But Ali, you're here today to discuss your new book, European Nights, which is all about the Don's travails over the decades in Europe and continental competition. But first of all, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on today. No, it's okay. So you've been, you've just returned um, back to the continent where you where you live at the moment. But you've uh, you've been over in the northeast. In yeah. well, how how long were you over? Actually, over for was it a couple of weeks? No, I was over for eight days. Eight days. So the first five days were up in Aberdeen, launching the book, doing the press launch, going to the game on Saturday, working for North Sound. So I had five absolutely incredible days. We did the book signing at Putaudry as well on Saturday morning ahead of the game. And then I was down in Edinburgh working for the sports management company that I consult for. So I had three days in the office there with my colleagues and flew back on Thursday afternoon. So you must have you must be a lucky charm then for the Dons, given that they, they won against yeah, Hibs yeah. the weekend, the game you were at, which was obviously their first win for a while. Impressed with the performance? I was actually. I thought we played really well, particularly in the first half. And I think that we looked so much more solid with three at the back. We just had that solidity to our play. I thought Scott Brown was absolutely magnificent in the middle of the park as well just dominating in front of the back four and sitting in and then getting forward whenever he could, which obviously led to our goal. And just all round, I just thought we were really excellent on the day. I thought Marley Watkins put in a hell of a shift. It was just such a shame that Calvin and Declan got injured, um, which obviously led to problems for Wednesday night against Rangers. But I thought we coped with that admirably as well. Okay, and obviously you mentioned the book launch, which I know a few... Um, famous faces from Don's past, Don's present, turned out for him. We'll get on to the ones that were involved in the making of the book in a minute or two. But yeah, how long has this book, Aberdeen FC, European Nights, it's not your first book, but how long has this, this book been in the works? It actually started three years ago, Ryan. So my publisher, Peter Burns from Polaris Publishers, he got in touch with me and he really liked what I was doing with the blogs. And he wanted to put an idea together about potentially writing a series of books off the back of the blogs. And I must admit, it took me some time to think about it and to be comfortable with the idea. And in the end, my wife actually said to me that the stories that all these players that I had spoken to for my blogs deserved a bigger platform than just my blog page. So if we were in a position to put a book out there which could be on sale for the general public, then that would possibly be a great way of getting these stories out and about more to the general public. So in the end, I actually took up Peter's offer of writing the first book, which is obviously the one that's just been published, all about Aberdeen's most memorable European games. And then when I really got myself stuck into it, the whole process was about 18 months or so. Okay, so you, you, you said you picked European games first of all. What, what, was, mm. your, what was your reasoning for focusing? Because obviously, Aberdeen's history, there's been success in the league. Everyone knows about the, the Alex Ferguson era. There's been yeah. success in the Scottish Cup. Um, yeah. several, several decades, they've managed to win the Scottish Cup. 
But why why European nights, first of all? I just felt if I was able to capture the imagination of the, the reader and the fan by putting out a book which would encapsulate some of our most incredible games on the European stage, what I am hoping for is that it will allow allow people's imagination to run riot when it comes to the other books that we're planning as well, which would be looking at our Scottish Cup campaigns, our league winning campaigns. So if I was able to put a book out which gave people a platform to get a feel for what I was trying to do, that is why we went with the European Knights. And I also felt it was very much prevalent to encapsulate Gothenburg in the first book because that is obviously our most memorable victory. It's our most significant victory and probably one that will never be repeated before, particularly in my lifetime. So I just felt the European stage was the tease for what hopefully will be more to come. Like you said there, everyone knows about what Aberdeen achieved to win the Cup Winners' Cup in 1983. It sticks in in any Don's fan's mind. doesn't matter if you're around at the time. I wasn't around at the time. I was only born in 1982. Mm. I I obviously know all about it. Uh, Maybe helps doing this job, to be fair. But, I mean, (laughs) even... I think there's a certain magic, isn't there, to to European nights generally. I mean, even fans of my generation, the games that stick out from my early days of going to see the Dons are Copenhagen in Europe at Pataudry, Bayern Munich, not that Bayern Munich game, not the one from the 80s, but the, the yeah. 2-2 draw mm. in Pataudry in the UEFA Cup under Jimmy Calderwood. There's, there's something about it, isn't there? There's something, it's maybe because it's under the lights, but it, it just sticks in the mind. It captures the imagination a little bit. Well, that's what I was trying to do when I was writing those chapters. So I basically captured the UEFA Cup group stage. I wanted to make sure that Dnipro was in there. I wanted to make sure Copenhagen and Bayern Munich was in there because I felt that those games deserved a chapter each. And because there was such a big time gap between what was Upesh Doza and then the Dnipro game, I was able to encapsulate with the help of Stuart McKimmy to talk about some of the other games that we played in in Europe during the 1990s and we were never able to get beyond the first stage. And I also did that at the beginning of the book, Ryan, with Bobby Clark, where there was a big time gap between the Reykjavik game and the Austria-Memphis game. And I was able to fill the gap with Bobby's memories of our biggest games in the 1970s. And again, there was a pattern to that because... Aberdeen were unable to get past the first round. So to be able to fill gaps of games against your Juventuses and your Fortuna Dusseldorfs and these type of games, I was able to call upon Bobby and Stuart to do that. But the fact that there is a new generation of Aberdeen fan that didn't sadly have that experience of Gothenburg where I was so fortunate that I was in Gothenburg. I experienced it. I, I, I know exactly what it feels like to have been in Gothenburg. I also felt that the new generation of Aberdeen fans deserved their place in the book as well. I mean, if I ask you at this point your favourite European game that Aberdeen have been involved in, it's pretty obvious yeah. what you're going to say. Yeah. Um, so before I ask you that and say you're not allowed to say that one, just, just give me your memories of your recollections of Gothenburg and what it was like. It was just the most awe-inspiring, incredible experience of, of my youth. I don't think anything has been able to be any better than Gothenburg from my youth. Whenever I think about my my childhood, I always automatically think about my parents in Gothenburg. 
and how they celebrated John Hewitt scoring the winning goal and how my mother went out of her way to find us these ridiculously huge yellow Macs, which helped keep us um, nice and dry from the, the, the ridiculous rain that was coming down throughout the entire day. Because I do remember feeling really, really quite cold and miserable as kickoff was approaching. And when mum went away and got these yellow Macs, all of a sudden you just felt a little bit safer from the, the environment, let's say. So I, I can still vividly see that in my mind. I can still see in my mind us on the plane going over to Gothenburg and my father filming it on his old cine camera, which I still have the footage of to this day. I remember being in a shopping centre in Gothenburg and the Aberdeen fans had just basically taken over. One, just to have a really, really good time and two, to shelter from the rain. So there are so many memories from though that what was it now? It was it was going on. So we were there for less than 24 hours, but I would suggest that we were there for about 18 hours or so. And it was just the most incredible moment of my of my youth. I you know, and when I was speaking to John Hewitt about that goal, I can he's still got an emotion to his voice, which suggests to me it is it is something that he will also never ever forget. And to be honest, I don't think anybody of us who were in Gothenburg that night, who were fortunate enough to be there. Now, I don't speak for any Aberdeen fans, but I would like to think that my fellow Aberdeen fans that were there that night would also say the same, that it's a night that will never, ever be beaten. Packed into such a slim moment in time. I was interested to hear you talking about your dad filming the game on a, on a video camera. Yeah. You get huckled out for that nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, aside from aside from Gothenburg, then and, mm. and maybe maybe it's worth because obviously then Bayern Munich during that run becomes the next one. Watershy yeah. in the semi final. Outside of that campaign, what's the what's the favourite European game that you've you've written about in the book? So, from a personal point of view, the the game that really sticks in my mind was the Upesh Doza game in the quarterfinals of the Cup Winners' Cup the year after. Because we were, you know, we desperately needed to, to equalise and the clock was ticking down. And I didn't actually appreciate until I was older how close we were to actually going out of that tournament until Mark McGee scored very late on in the game, which sent us into extra time. That game is something that also sticks in my mind because it was a it's an evening where in the match day programme, the editor of the programme had published a poem that my dad had written about us going to Gothenburg and I had absolutely no idea it was going to go in the po- in in the programme so when we were sat waiting for the game to begin and I'm flicking through the programme and then all of a sudden my dad's poem is there it's just another memory of what was a fantastic night so from a personal point of view the Upesh Doza game is obviously way up there with Bayern Munich and Gothenburg but there's other games that I didn't go to which stick in the mind which I've been able to encapsulate in the book. I've written a chapter about the team going behind the Iron Curtain and how difficult it was logistically to go to these places. Um, And Frank Gilfeather wrote some really interesting pieces for me about how difficult it was as a television sports broadcaster to get pictures back to Aberdeen from Bucharest back in 1981. And um, it was just incredibly interesting to to read and hear all those stories as well. That was obviously the time of the 
infamous tea urn incident with Sir Alex Ferguson, um, which again has been encapsulated in the book. And Walker McCall and Neil Simpson tell me more about that in more detail. And it really is quite hilariously funny when you when you when you peel it all back and put yourself in the mind of Neil Simpson and put yourself in that dressing room at half time in Romania. You can only but imagine what Sir Alex Ferguson was like in that ten to fifteen minutes. So the stories like that, which I really enjoyed piecing together. Is that the best story in the book? Would you say for you? To be honest with you, I think the the best story for me is the story of when they came back from that trip to Romania when they played Ashes Potesta. So if you look at the old YouTube footage of the game, you will see that it's not an evening game. So first and foremost, I wanted to know, well, why are they playing during the day? So I did my research and I found out that in a communist country back then, floodlights were banned. So you were not allowed to play any football matches or have any public gatherings under floodlights. Hence why Aberdeen had to play the game against Argus Batista in the afternoon, which meant that they had to fly back to Aberdeen early evening. Now, for the generation of people that will remember, Dice Airport always closed at 10 o'clock at night. And if you did not make your landing time before 10 o'clock, you automatically got diverted to Edinburgh. So on that particular evening, as the team were flying back from Romania, there was a very strong nosewind. So as they were approaching Edinburgh, the captain came on the tannoy and said, words to the effect of, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry, but we're going to miss our cutoff time at Dice, which means that sadly we're going to have to land in Edinburgh. Upon which Alex Ferguson was seen to have risen from his seat. He walked down the aisle he disappeared into the cockpit and he was in there for a couple of minutes. He then came out, took his seat again. And two minutes after that, the captain came back on the tannoy and said, ladies and gentlemen, I am absolutely delighted to report that we shall in fact be arriving at Aberdeen Airport, but we will be about 10 minutes late. <laughs> it's just, and it was Kevin Sterling who told me that story, who's Aberdeen's former club historian. And he was mm-hmm. on the flight And he gave me permission to use that story. And I was only saying to a couple of friends the other day, for me, that just epitomizes everything that Sir Alex Ferguson is about. And could you imagine that in this day and age, the manager of a football club trying to storm into a cockpit and demanding that uh, an aeroplane lands at the airport on time? It just would never, ever happen again. Yeah, I wonder if in those two minutes the pilot was composing himself because he was crying. Um, Anyway, so... (laughs) Other Don's legends you've spoken to, you've you've mentioned Stuart McKimmy, John Hewitt, Bobby Clark, Walker McCall, uh, Neil Mm. Simpson. Any others that are highlights in the book? Yeah, I've spoken to just about all of the Gothenburg team. So Willie Miller gave me some fascinating insights into how he actually led the team in Gothenburg. So it wasn't just about the game itself and everything that went with the game. I wanted to know how he skippered the side that night? Did he do anything different in his own makeup um, to make sure that he skippered the side to victory? So that was really fascinating, listening to how he um, how he prepared for Gothenburg. I was also very fortunate to speak to Johnny Metgood, who played for Real Madrid that night, and I had a, a two-hour Zoom interview with him. 
And it was fascinating listening to Johnny's point of view about how Real Madrid prepared for the game against Aberdeen and how it differed to how Aberdeen prepared for the game. And Gothenburg is still very vivid in Johnny's mind. So I was able to get some real nuggets from him. And it was fascinating listening to him talk about that evening and how he felt that Aberdeen deserved their victory on the on the night and how well they played. And he was still able to, to reel off all the players' names. He was still vividly able to remember moments from the game. He was able to tell me his thought process during the game as well. So I was very fortunate to speak to him and I and I hope it's just added to the, the interest of the narrative. Yeah, how how difficult is it to track down players from Aberdeen's rivals? Because obviously it's very much our wheelhouse, both of us, that you know, you've got contacts yeah. and connections with members of the Gothenburg team. We certainly do the at the papers and you yourself do. But with with rivals, obviously I imagine social media makes it a lot easier. Nowadays, I'm sure some of them are on Twitter and things like that. But is that is that a bit more difficult to get guys from these teams to get in touch? So, actually, the process wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I put in some requests. I did it the old-fashioned way, Ryan. I just got in touch via email and I called a couple of football clubs. So I put in a request to speak to a couple of guys from Bayern Munich. Unfortunately, the, the, the requests fell on deaf ears, but I was able to get enough through my own research that also added to the Bayern Munich 1983 chapters. Um, for example, I spoke to Lars Goodmanson, who played for Watershy in the semi-finals against Aberdeen of the Cup Winners' Cup. And people will remember him because he was the lad that scored Watershy's goal against Aberdeen at Pitodre. And I was able to track him down via Carrie Arneson, who's a friend of mine. So Carrie did some digging for me. He was able to put me in touch with somebody from a football club in Iceland. And then through that, I spoke to Jim Bett. And Jim knew of Lars. He got in touch with Lars. He put in a very good word for me, thankfully. And I was able to get Lars's contact details. And I emailed him. And Lars came back to me within a couple of days and said that he would be absolutely delighted to offer some some words for my book. And and very much like Johnny, Lars and I sat on a, a Zoom interview for about an hour or so, and we chewed the fat over the Watershy games. And again, he was able to give me some absolutely fantastic information on how he personally prepared for the game, but how Watershy prepared for the game as well. So that was really interesting. And through Lars, I was able to get a hold of a guy called Gudmundur Pettersson, who was the goalkeeper for Reykjavik when Aberdeen played in their first ever European game back in 1967. And Lars got me his contact details. And very much like what I did with Lars, I emailed Gudmundur, told him what I was doing. He came back to me within 24 hours and said, very much like Lars, I'll be delighted to help. Just let me know how you want to do it, when you want to do it. So I just sent him half a dozen questions, Ryan. And I said to him, look, I appreciate this is a very long time ago. And um, things will obviously have slipped from the memory. But anything that you can contribute, I'd be very grateful. And he came back and I, I got enough to get four or five paragraphs from him. So to be able to get the goalkeeper from our opposing team, 
that played in Aberdeen, played against Aberdeen in our first ever European night was particularly special. He probably, to be fair, has never forgotten that game, given no. I think Aberdeen, <laughs> yeah. Aberdeen racked up a bit yeah. of a cricket score. Yeah, 10-0 that night. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so looking ahead then, and mm. slightly away from the book, obviously the book has been made possible by the fact that Aberdeen were able to mix it with these teams in European competition. Yes, as we've said, sometimes they were out in the first round, but other times they went deep into the competition and were playing Euro heavyweights. They're still Euro heavyweights today. Do you Mm. think, obviously there's been struggles to reach group stage football in Europe over the last few seasons, even this season with the Conference League, they fell at the final hurdle. Do Do you think there will be more lore to add to this? In the future, do you think they will, you know, get back to playing European football proper past the qualification stages? I do, one day, absolutely, because football changes all the times and the styles of football changes all the time. And we're just going through a period at the moment where we have really struggled to get past the qualifying stages and it's been a a huge bugbear for many, many fans recently that we have not made the group stages of both the Europa League and now the Conference League. But I think sometimes we have to sit back and take stock. And I think against Carabag, particularly at Pataudry, that night we were given a lesson in football. And I sometimes look at these games and it makes me appreciate more how difficult it is to qualify for these tournaments. Yes, Lady Luck plays its part along the way. You could get a favourable draw. And I think we were just unfortunate that Carabag came out of the out of the hat. But, you know, when I look at teams like Red Imps from Gibraltar who can qualify for these European competitions, I sometimes wonder, is their mindset different to ours? Because I would sit and argue that from a talent point of view, are they any better than the players that we currently have at Aberdeen right now? And if you put them 11 against 11 on the day, technically, who is the better football player? So I, I think there's a lot that has to be said for mentality, for desire, for an absolute winning mentality. And I sometimes wonder if that is missing from our players. I don't know why. I wish I had the answers to it. Is the, has the qualification campaign just become a monkey on our back? Is there a fear factor towards it? I really don't know. I look at all these factors and try and come up with the answers, and I can't. I just think on the night, we just have to show a level of desire that we potentially have never had before, recently. Because if you go back to the days where we were beating your Hamburgs and we were beating Bayern Munichs and your Real Madrids, What got them over the line? And if you read the book, you will see and understand more about the mentality of these players. And it came from the manager. The manager instilled in them a winning mentality. He made sure that every time these players went out on the pitch, they believed they were going to win that game as a collective. And they were going to put their bodies on the line to make sure they were going to do whatever they could to get the the right result. And I just think the combination of Sir Alex Ferguson's management, Archie Knox's drive and aggression, and the players' natural ability led us to these incredible moments. And a lot of people have said to me, oh, we shouldn't live in the past. 
we continually live in the past as Aberdeen fans and we should forget about it. I, I say the complete opposite. I say, hang on, guys. Don't use it as a monkey on our back. Embrace what happened in the past. Use it as a level of inspiration. Because if those guys can do it, understand why they did it and why they were able to get to that level. And it might help your own attitude towards these big games. So don't don't knock it. Don't forget about it. Embrace it. And, and use games like Dnipro and Copenhagen, the, the modern generation. Use those games. And nobody gave us a, a hope in hell of getting through to the UEFA Cup group stage. And we did it on the final match day against Copenhagen, where we absolutely battered them off the park in the second half. Now, where did that desire come from? And that's the type of attitude that I want to see from our players currently. Don't knock the past, embrace it and use it. Okay, so obviously you're still in the promotion stages for this book, but can you can you maybe tell us what the, the next book in the series is potentially going to be? Obviously, maybe don't want to think about the, the efforts that's going to take to put together quite yet, having just finished this one, but is there is there anything in the works? Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to look at our domestic cup campaign. So we're going to look at the Scottish Cup. We're going to look at the League Cup and see if we can find an interesting narrative there which would be worthy of a book. Um, I jest when a lot of people say to me, well, the League the league title one will be more of a pamphlet than a book. But you never know. We might find nuggets in there which, again, might be able to give us a book. At the moment, all I want to do is concentrate on European nights. I want to try and get it out there more. I'm very grateful that you've given me this opportunity to promote the book on the podcast. So I think at the moment it's all about concentrating on European nights, making sure that people really enjoy the read. And if they don't enjoy the read, I want to know why, because I'm my own worst critic. And if I can take anything on board which would help for future projects, then I will certainly do that. But you never know what the future holds, Ryan. I, I would like to think that we have one or two more books um, in the pipeline which we can work on. So who knows? Who knows what, what, what will happen? Okay, excellent. Well, to all those listening, Aberdeen FC European Nights with a foreword by, of course, Willie Miller, the Don's greatest ever captain and even express columnist that's available now. It's available, I think you said, Ali, Amazon, the Aberdeen Club Shop, and the yeah. Waterstones, so all the yeah. places anyone could possibly want to buy books. All right, but thank you very much, Ali, for joining me today. Much appreciated. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, Ryan. I hope you've enjoyed. I have very much so, and thank you for letting me talk about it. Great, and we'll see you soon. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.